section seventy nine of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter seventy four the cloister the new pope favoured the dominican order the convent received a message from the vatican requiring a capable friar to teach at the university of basel now clement was the very monk for this well versed in languages and in his worldly days had attended the lectures of guerini the younger his visit to england was therefore postponed though not resigned and meantime he was sent to basel but not being wanted there for three months he was to preach on the road he passed out of the northern gate with his eyes lowered and the whole man wrapped in pious contemplation oh if we could paint a mind and its story what a walking fresco was this barefooted friar hopeful happy love bereavement despair impiety vice suicide remorse religious despondency penitence death to the world resignation and all in twelve short months and now the traveller was on foot again but all was changed no perilous adventures now the very thieves and robbers bowed to the ground before him and instead of robbing him forced stolen money on him and begged his prayers this journey therefore furnished few picturesque incidents i have however some readers to think of who care little for melodrama and expect a quiet peep at what passes inside a man to such students things undramatic are often vocal denoting the progress of a mind the first sunday of clement's journey was marked by this he prayed for the soul of margaret he had never done so before not that her eternal welfare was not dearer to him than anything on earth it was his humility the terrible impieties that burst from him on the news of her death horrified my well-disposed readers but not as on reflection they horrified him who had uttered them for a long time during his novitiate he was oppressed with religious despair he thought he must have committed that sin against the holy spirit which dooms the soul for ever by degrees that dark cloud cleared away anselmo juvante but deep self-abasement remained he felt his own salvation insecure and moreover thought it would be mocking heaven should he the deeply stained pray for a soul so innocent comparatively as margaret's so he used to coax good anselm and another kindly monk to pray for her they did not refuse nor do it by halves in general the good old monks and there were good bad and indifferent in every convent had a pure and tender affection for their younger brethren which in truth was not of this world clement then having preached on sunday morning in a small italian town and being mightily carried onward was greatly encouraged and that day a balmy sense of god's forgiveness and love descended on him and he prayed for the welfare of margaret's soul and from that hour this became his daily habit and the one purified tie that by memory connected his heart with earth for his family were to him as if they had never been the church would not share with earth nor could even the church cure the great love without annihilating the smaller ones during most of this journey clement rarely felt any spring of life within him but when he was in the pulpit the other exceptions were when he happened to relieve some fellow-creature a young man was tarantula bitten or perhaps like many more fancied it fancy or reality he had been for two days without sleep and in most extraordinary convulsions leaping twisting and beating the walls the village musicians had only excited him worse with their music 
exhaustion and death followed the disease when it gained such a head clement passed by and learned what was the matter he sent for a psaltery and tried the patient with soothing melodies but if the other tunes maddened him clements seemed to crush him he groaned and moaned under them and grovelled on the floor at last the friar observed that at intervals his lips kept going he applied his ear and found the patient was whispering a tune and a very singular one that had no existence he learned this tune and played it the patient's face brightened amazingly he marched about the room on the light fantastic toe enjoying it and when clement's fingers ached nearly off with playing it he had the satisfaction of seeing the young man sink complacently to sleep to this lullaby the strange creation of his own mind for it seems he was no musician and never composed a tune before or after this sleep saved his life and clement after teaching the tune to another in case it should be wanted again went forward with his heart a little warmer on another occasion he found a mob hailing a decently dressed man along who struggled and vociferated but in a strange language this person had walked into their town erect and sprightly waving a mulberry branch over his head thereupon the natives first gazed stupidly not believing their eyes then pounced on him and dragged him before the podesta clement went with them but on the way drew quietly near the prisoner spoke to him in italian no answer in french german dutch no assets then the man tried clement in tolerable latin but with a sharpish accent he said he was an englishman and oppressed with the heat of italy had taken a bow off the nearest tree to save his head in my country anybody is welcome to what grows on the highway confound the fools i am ready to pay for it but here is all italy up in arms about a twig and a handful of leaves the pig-headed podesta would have sent the dogged islander to prison but clement mediated and with some difficulty made the prisoner comprehend that silkworms and by consequence mulberry leaves were sacred being under the wing of the sovereign and his source of income and urged on the podesta that ignorance of his mulberry laws was natural in a distant country where the very tree perhaps was unknown the opinionative highlander turned this still vibrating scale by pulling out a long purse and repeating his original theory that the whole question was mercantile quid damni said he dick et cito solum the podesta snuffed the gold find him a ducat for the duke about the value of the whole tree and pouched the coin the englishman shook off his ire the moment he was liberated and laughed heartily at the whole thing but was very grateful to clement you are too good for this whole of a country father said he come to england that is the only place in the world i was an uneasy fool to leave it and wander among mulberries and their idiots i am a kentish squire and educated at cambridge university my name it is rolf my place about shanger the man and the house are both at your service come over and stay till doomsday we sit down forty to dinner every day at Betsanger. one more or less at the board will not be seen you shall end your days with me and my heirs if you will come now what an englishman says he means and he gave him a great hearty grip of the hand to confirm it i will visit thee some day my son said clement but not to weary thy hospitality the englishman then begged clement to shrive him i know not what will become of my soul said he i live like a heathen since i left england clement consented gladly and soon the islander was on his knees to him by the roadside confessing the last month's sins finding him so pious a son of the church clement let him know he was really coming to england he then asked him whether it was true that country was overrun with lollards and wickliffeites the other coloured up a little there be black sheep in every land said he then after some reflection he said gravely holy father 
hear the truth about these heretics none are better disposed towards holy church than we english but we are ourselves and by ourselves we love our own ways and above all our own tongue the norman could conquer our bill hooks but not our tongues and hard they tried it for many a long year by law and proclamation our good foreign priests utter god to plain english folk in latin or in some french or italian lingo like the bleeding of a sheep then come the fox wycliffe and his and read him out of his own book in plain english that all men's hearts warm to who can withstand this god forgive me i believe the english would turn deaf ears to st peter himself spoke he not to them in the tongue their mother sowed in their ears and their hearts along with mother's kisses he added hastily i say not this for myself i am cambridge bred and good words come not amiss to me in latin but for the people in general clavis ad corda anglorum est lingua materna my son said clement blessed be the hour i met thee for thy words are sober and wise but alas how shall i learn your english tongue no book have i i would give you my book of hours father tis in english and latin cheek by jowl but then what would become of my poor soul wanting my hours in a strange land stay you are a holy man and i am an honest one let us make a bargain you to pray for me every day for two months and i to give you my book of hours here it is what say you to that and his eyes sparkled and he was all on fire with mercantility clement smiled gently at this trade and quietly detached a manuscript from his girdle and showed him that it was in latin and italian see my son said he heaven hath foreseen our several needs and given us the means to satisfy them let us change books and my dear son i will give thee my poor prayers and welcome not seldom thee i love not religious bargains the islander was delighted so shall i learn the italian tongue without risk to my eternal weal near is my purse but nearer is my soul he forced money on clement in vain the friar told him it was contrary to his vow to carry more of that than was barely necessary lay it out for the good of the church and of my soul said the islander i ask you not to keep it but take it you must and shall and he grasped clement's hand warmly again and clement kissed him on the brow and blessed him and they went each his way about a mile from where they parted clement found two tired wayfarers lying in the deep shade of a great chestnut tree one of a thick growth the road skirted near the men was a little cart and in it a printing press rude and clumsy as a vine press a jaded mule was harnessed to the cart and so clement stood face to face with his old enemy and as he eyed it and the honest blue-eyed faces of the wearied craftsmen he looked back as on a dream at the bitterness he had once felt towards this machine he looked kindly down on them and said softly swainheim the men started to their feet Ponarts. they scuttled into the wood and were seen no more clement was amazed and stood puzzling himself presently a face peeped from behind a tree clement addressed it what fear you a quavering voice replied say rather by what magic you a stranger can call us by our names i never clapped eyes on you till now oh superstition i know you as all good workmen are known by your works come hither and i will tell you they advanced gingerly from different sides each regulating his advance by the others my children said clement i saw a lactantius in rome printed by swainheim and panarts disciples of fust do you hear that panarts our work has gotten to rome already by your blue eyes and flaxen hair i wish ye were germans and the printing press spoke for itself who then should ye be but fuss disciples panarts and swainheim the honest germans were now astonished that they had suspected magic in so simple a matter the good father hath his wits about him that is all said panarts ay said swainheim and with those wits would he could tell us how to get this tired beast to the next town 
yea said swineheim and where to find money to pay for his meat and ours when we get there i will try said clement free the mule of the cart and of all harness but the bare halter this was done and the animal immediately lay down rolled on his back in the dust like a kitten whilst he was thus employed clement assured them he would rise up a new mule his creator hath taught him this art to refresh himself which the nobler horse knoweth not now with regard to money know that a worthy englishman hath entrusted me with a certain sum to bestow in charity to whom can i better give a stranger's money than to strangers take it then and be kind to some englishman or other stranger in his need and may all nations learn to love one another one day the tears stood in the honest workman's eyes they took the money with heartfelt thanks it is your nation we are bound to thank and bless good father if we but knew it my nation is the church clement was then for bidding them farewell but the honest fellows implored him to wait a little they had no silver nor go but they had something they could give their benefactor they took the press out of the cart and while clement fed the meal they hustled about now on the white hot road now on the deep cool shade now half in and half out and presently printed a quarto sheet of eight pages which was already set up they had not type enough to print two sheets at a time when after the slower preliminaries the printed sheet was pulled all in a moment clement was amazed in turn what are all these words really fast upon the paper said he is it barely certain they will not go as swiftly as they came and you took me for a magician tis augustine de civitate dei my sons you carry here the very wings of knowledge oh never abuse this great craft print no ill books they would fly abroad countless as locusts and lay waste men's souls the workmen said they would sooner put their hands under the screw than so abuse their goodly craft and so they parted there is nothing but meeting and parting in this world at a town in tuscany the holy friar had a sudden and strange rencontre with the past he fell in with one of those motley assemblages of patricians and plebeians piety and profligacy a company of pilgrims a subject too well painted by others for me to go and daub they were in an immense barn belonging to the inn clement dusty and wearied and no letter of idle gossip sat in a corner studying the englishman's hours and making them out as much by his own dutch as by the latin version presently a servant brought a bucket half full of water and put it down at his feet a female servant followed with two towels and then a woman came forward and crossing herself kneeled down without a word at the bucket side removed her sleeves entirely and motioned to him to put his feet into the water it was some lady of rank doing penance she wore a mask scarce an inch broad but effectual moreover she handled the friar's feet more delicately than those do who are born to such offices these penances were not uncommon and clement though he had little faith in this form of contrition received the services of the incognita as a matter of course but presently she sighed deeply and with her heartfelt sigh and her head bent low over her menial office she seemed so bowed with penitence that he pitied her and said calmly but gently can i aught for your soul's weal my daughter she shook her head with a faint sob naught holy father naught only to hear the sin of her who is most unworthy to touch thy holy feet tis part of my penance to tell sinless men how vile i am speak my daughter father said the lady bending lower and lower these hands of mine look white but they are stained with blood the blood of the man i loved alas you withdraw your foot ah me what shall i do all holy things shrink from me culpa mea culpa mea said clement eagerly my daughter it was an unworthy movement of earthly weakness for which i shall do penance 
judge not the church by her feebler servants not her foot but her bosom is offered to thee repenting truly take courage then and purge thy conscience of its load on this the lady in a trembling whisper and hurriedly and cringing a little as if she feared the church would strike her bodily for what she had done made this confession he was a stranger and base-born but beautiful as spring and wise beyond his years i loved him i had not the prudence to conceal my love nobles courted me i ne'er thought one of humble birth could reject me i showed him my heart oh shame of my sex he drew back yet he admired me but innocently he loved another and he was constant i resorted to a woman's wiles they availed not i borrowed the wickedness of men and threatened his life and to tell his true lover he died false to her are you shrink your foot trembles am i not a monster then he wept and prayed to me for mercy then my good angel help me i bade him leave rome gerard gerard why did you not obey me i thought he was gone but two months after this i met him never shall i forget it i was descending the tiber in my galley when he came up it with a gay company and at his side a woman beautiful as an angel but bold and bad that woman claimed me allowed for her rival traitor and hypocrite he had exposed me to her and to all the loose tongues in rome in terror and revenge i hired a bravo when he was gone on his bloody errand i wavered too late the dagger i had hired struck he never came back to his lodgings he was dead alas perhaps he was not so much to blame none have ever cast his name in my teeth his poor body is not found or i should kiss its wounds and slay myself upon it all round his very name seems silent as the grave to which this murderous hand hath sent him clement's eye was drawn by her movement he recognized her shapely arm and soft white hand and oh he was so young to die a poor thoughtless boy that had fallen a victim to that bad woman's arts and she had made him tell her everything monster of cruelty what penance can avail me o oh, holy father what shall i do clement's lips moved in prayer but he was silent he could not see his duty clear then she took his feet and began to drive them she rested his foot upon her soft arm and pressed it with the towel so gently that she seemed incapable of hurting a fly yet her lips had just told another story and a true one while clement was still praying for wisdom a tear fell upon his foot it decided him my daughter said he i myself have been a great sinner you father i quite as great a sinner as thou though not in the same way the devil has gins and snares as well as traps but penitence softened by impious heart and then gratitude remoulded it therefore seeing you penitent i hope you can be grateful to him who has been more merciful to you than you have to your fellow-creature daughter the church sends you comfort comfort to me ah never unless it can raise my victim from the dead take this crucifix in thy hand fix thine eyes on it and listen to me was all the reply yes father but let me thoroughly dry your feet first tis ill sitting in wet feet and you are the holiest man of all whose feet i have washed i know it by your voice woman i am not as for my feet they can wait their turn obey thou me yes father said the lady humbly but with a woman's evasive pertinacity she wreathed one towel swiftly round the foot she was drying and placed his other foot on the dry napkin then obeyed his command and as she bowed over the crucifix the low solemn tones of the friar fell upon her ear and his words soon made her whole body quiver with various emotion in quick succession my daughter he you murdered in intent was one gerard a hollander he loved a creature as men should love none but his redeemer and his church 
heaven chastened him a letter came to rome she was dead poor gerard poor margaret moaned the penitent clement's voice faltered at this a moment but soon by a strong effort he recovered all his calmness his feeble nature yielded body and soul to the blow he was stricken down with fever he revived only to rebel against heaven he said there is no god poor poor gerard poor gerard thou feeble foolish woman nay wicked impious gerard he plunged into vice and soiled his eternal jewel those you met him with were his daily companions but no rash creature that the seeming woman you took to be his leman was but a boy dressed in women's habits to flout the others a fair boy called andrea what that andrea said to thee i know not but be sure neither he nor any layman knows thy folly this gerard rebeller against heaven was no traitor to thee unworthy the lady moaned like one in bodily agony and the crucifix began to tremble in her trembling hands courage said clement comfort is at hand from crime he fell into despair and bent on destroying his soul he stood one night by a tiber resolved to suicide he saw one watching him it was a bravo holy saints he begged the bravo to dispatch him he offered him all his money to slay him body and soul the bravo would not then this desperate sinner not softened even by that refusal flung himself into tiber ah and the assassin saved his life thou hadst chosen for the task ludovico husband of teresa whom this gerard had saved at sea her and her infant child he lives he lives he lives i am faint the friar took the crucifix from her hands fearing it might fall a shower of tears relieved her the friar gave her time then continued calmly ay he lives thanks to thee and thy wickedness guided to his eternal good by an almighty and all-merciful hand thou art his greatest earthly benefactor where is he where where what is that to thee only to see him alive to beg him on my knees to forgive me i swear to you i will never presume again to how could i he knows all oh shame father does he know all then never will i meet his eye i should sink into the earth but i would repair my crime i would watch his life unseen he shall rise in the world whence i so nearly thrust him poor soul the caesar my family are all powerful in rome and i am near their head my daughter said clement coldly he you call gerard needs nothing man can do for him save by a miracle from double death he has left the world and taken refuge from sin and folly in the bosom of the church a priest a priest and a friar a friar then you are not his confessor yet you know all that gentle voice she raised her head slowly and peered at him through her mask the next moment she uttered a faint shriek and lay with her brow upon his bare feet end of section seventy nine